Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Andrew Green. He's Brett Barry, And we know Arizona basketball has started, and there's a big game this week against Duke. And a sign of how things are for Arizona athletics right now, that'll be the third segment. We'll get to that. Arizona football, Brett. Bowl eligibility. For the first time since 2017, Arizona, they beat UCLA 27-10, a pretty dominant effort against the then-19 Bruins. Wildcats get to six wins. They're ranked, what, 21st in the AP poll, or the college football playoff poll. They're like 23rd in the AP poll, like 24th or something in the coaches poll. They're top 25 in every poll that's out there. But wow, <laughs> like here we are with a good football team. Like legitimately good, not really good, legitimately good. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like... what even though we kind of thought that this was possible, it doesn't quite feel like it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's fully landed for me yet. Um, you know, we're just not used to this and, you know, going to that game, I would, you know, I was there. Uh, you unfortunately did not get to make the trip down. Yeah. I was going to ask you what the vibe was like and how the mood was because yeah, I just came down with a nice four day case of COVID. So that was fun. Yeah, it was, uh, the vibe was good. It was a good crowd really engaged which is a fun thing from you know i was there for when the 20 game losing streak happened and that was a a crowd would be generous uh <laughs> but and you know i may have i may have partaken of uh being on the field and taking a photo or two but like was sister. there was there not to say like it wasn't relief right because when you had they got to five wins as soon as they did like there was a thought they're going to get to six this season but to beat UCLA, who was certainly beatable, Arizona beat them last season. Like the the I don't say magnitude. It's not like Arizona won a division, won a conference, won a Rose Bowl or anything. But did like the the scene was it was it known? Was it felt like hey, this was kind of monumental for Arizona in the context of the last you know five six seasons? I think it was a bit cathartic in that sense, but also I think the more interesting and telling feeling from the vibe of the vibe I got there was that. That crowd expected to win that game. Yeah. And there wasn't, and like, you know, in the section, we were, you know, maybe have a beverage or two, and everybody's like, no, we don't just want to beat them. We want to beat them. And they and, did, though. And, and they did. I mean, gosh, we talked about last last week in the preview that, like, the way Arizona loses this game is they lose the turnover battle. They lost the turnover battle and still won by three scores. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? That's, that, that's, uh, and, it was like old old fashioned Madden things where you keep knocking out the quarterback every uh, every quarter or two. Uh, it was just it was a they just straight up beat uh, the Bruins. Yeah, uh, they were the better team by a wide margin. Yeah, and it's and they, I don't even think that they didn't play a perfect game. Nope. they play they're just they're just the better team, and I think that I think the 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 fan base senses that now, and there's faith in this team, and the you know the 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 lingering doubt of being an Arizona fan where you're just waiting for that shoe to drop. Um, you know, probably, probably one of the reasons you picked them to lose this game was like, well, they got to lose one of these, right? We're Arizona fans. We expect it. Kind of. Yeah. And, 
and I mean, I still have that in the back of my mind. We talked about it last week, but I think at that game, pretty early on, the sense was like, no, we're we're going to win the game. Well, and Arizona's best players played like it, right? Like, North Vita had the interception early and was lights out the rest of the way. Like, it was a good game from Noah Fafita after that. And, like, the game plans for him, like, he's not Jaden Delore. He's not taking the top off the defense. But they get guys open. He finds them, makes accurate throws, runs when he needs to. He had, I think, the first down run in, like, the third or fourth quarter. That was, like, he evaded the rush. Like, it was great. And he had the heads He got his first down, got down, and that was that. Lived to see another day. He played great. Like, it's clear to see why he is the starting quarterback for this team. Like, I was a Delora fan, and I'm, I'll still say I think they could still win with Jaden Delora. But Noah Fafita deserves to be the starting quarterback of this team. No questions asked at this point. Jonah Coleman continued his great play. T-Mac, good Lord. Like, he only had four catches, and the one touchdown was an unreal touchdown catch. 81 yards, he was just, he's the safety blanket, right? He was the guy just thrown in his area, and he's making the catch. And when you have someone like that, like, I call him a cheat code on Twitter, and that earned me some weird hate. But he's that type of player. Like, he is the best player on the field when he's out there, right? Like, how many defensive backs can handle Totoro McMillan? And the connection he has with Fafita, like, it's almost impossible to stop, it would seem. Like, Arizona's best players offensively did great things. Rayshon Luke had another long touchdown, or not touchdown, but a long reception, showed his speed. And, of course, the defense, Taylor Upshaw, Deuce Davis, Jacob Manu had 12 tackles in this game. You know, like, everyone stepped up and beat a good football team soundly. So I do got to say, uh, I'm pretty sure No Fafita statistically had almost the same exact stat line as the Oregon State game, but with a few more yards. 25 of 32, I think, was what he had against Oregon State, if I recall correctly. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, his uh, play where he evaded the sack somehow uh, was, you know, that's a highlight play. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rayshon Luke's not getting a lot of touches, but that uh, that pass play that went for 66 yards, I could see that developing from the sideline. I was like, oh, this could go real well if as long as he made the first guy miss, which he did. Um, it was another well-designed, you know, play that executed well. And even, gosh, it could have even been more. The, the one, the closest thing to a trick play they did, the Jaden Delora play. When he skipped it to White Michael Wiley. Oh, man. Oh, he had they blockers had, in front. They, there's... There's, he's 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 scoring a touchdown on that play. As a Delora sure. fan, I felt so bad about them because I'm like, oh man, like everyone like is so down on Delora. And like, just because you're high on Fafita doesn't mean you have to be down on Delora. But like, there he was out there. He got a chance to make a throw, and he skipped it. <laughs> like, which isn't oh, a thing man. he does as a starting quarterback. He never underthrows people. <laughs> well, and and Mike M- Michael Wiley, the guy who's the most patient runner to let blockers yeah. sit up. There was like one guy in like literally the whole line that were in like, front of The him. jokes that were flying about Delora, I'm like, he missed a throw. It happens. But no, the play itself, like, that's like, everything about this came from Arizona. Like, you say missed a couple of fields. One was tipped. Like, one was blocked. But Arizona's game plan and execution were right where you want it to be, right where it has to be. Like, they did not play a perfect game. But but their talent, I don't, I don't want to say it's an advantage, but the amount of talent they have to just play mostly sound, quality, high-level football they're going to beat a lot of teams. And in this case, they beat a UCLA team whose offense was questionable. And yeah, I, it's not that Arizona is winning these games, which is obviously great over this three-game winning streak against ranked teams. But the way they're winning, it's not coming down to a last-second field goal or some goofy play by the opponent that, you know, remember that I think it was 2014 when like Washington was running the ball late when they didn't have to and they fumbled, you know, that goofy mm-hmm. thing. You know, that There were certain things that happened in the Cal game that year the Hill Mary, 
Like things mm-hmm. had to happen for Arizona to win these games that were kind of like, I'm glad it happened, but how the hell did that happen or why the hell did it happen? That's not this. Arizona's wins this season are them being better than their opponent on that day, not by a close margin, but by a wide margin. Whether they are truly that much better than UCLA or Oregon State or Washington State talent-wise, I don't know. But on those nights, it is clear how much better Arizona was. That says something to me. You know, they're not getting lucky to win these games. They're winning these games because they're good. Yeah, and I would even say, I mean, gosh, maybe Washington State, uh, but like it's almost gives me the Arizona basketball vibes where you say, hey, they looked really good. They keep winning. And I'm not sure that they've had a perfect game yet, right? Like where yeah. everything's clicking. Um, it's hard and, in, a, in a football game to have like that perfect game, though. You know, you're going to oh, miss the oh, throw sure. or it's going to be, yeah. But I mean, like the interception would be like a pretty big blemish. And it was right? the one blemish in this game, right? Yeah. But like, it, it, you know, I'll even go a step further where you're seeing everything you want to see right down to even including, you know, other receivers. Get, MLC had three catches and a touchdown. Uh, Kevin Green and AJ Jones, I think, both got had catches in that game. So, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting those guys some live reps, getting them, you know, where you could feel Keenan better. Burnett about had, I think, the first catch of the game for Arizona. Yeah, you're you're right. seeing you're seeing even some of the young guys that you know that that 2022 class is going to go down in in history because not just because of the the ranking but like man the low ranked guys like Wendell Moe is like the lowest ranked guy on there he's a he might he might end up in the NFL yeah. <laughs> like watching that guy that guy uh, at 365 pounds or whatever pulling and blowing up linemen and linebackers is a thing of beauty and you're still even seeing some of those guys come. You know, and Kevin Green, Keon Burnett, uh, AJ Jones just finally starting to see the field a little bit more. It's 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 all trending positively right now, and that's a, a unique experience for us uh, of re- in recent years when it comes to Arizona football. Well, I think that's part of the most exciting thing when it comes to this team. Now, granted, the transfer portal era, with and I like the player movement era. If we can just put it that way, nothing's guaranteed. You don't know who's going to be coming back. Right, like there's players that you'll probably shock us that we're going to talk about today of being great who are going to transfer after this season. But if everyone came back, the players who are this team's best players, like Jordan Morgan's gone after this season, Michael Wiley's gone after this season, right? Taylor Upshaw's gone after this season. You know, I think I said Jacob Cowling. Most of the key guys would come back. I know DJ Williams is gone for this season too, but No Fafita is a redshirt freshman. Jonah Coleman's a sophomore. T-Mac is a sophomore. Speedy Luke is a sophomore. I think, I don't know, did Speedy Luke keep his redshirt from last year? He's a redshirt freshman, I think, right? Like, in the defense, Jacob Manu would be coming back. Justin Flo would be coming back. Ephesians Prysock, Takario Davis, you know, Genesis Smith, Dalton Johnson, they all come back. Like, this isn't a one-off for this team. And, like, they haven't arrived as a six-win team. You know, that's, that's not the goal, obviously. But it was the first goal that they could reach this season. And they can still win up to three or four more games. So, you know, it's nice to be winning these games. It's nice to be showing how good they are, that they're well coached. They have good game plans and they have the talent. But knowing that a lot of this talent is not going anywhere after this season just gets you that much more excited for what they're doing right now. Because it's like, yeah, these guys can get better, right? They can come back and get better. Well, and even beyond that, I think that there's enough track record now where we feel real good about Jed Fish and staff at identifying talent and developing talent. Not, I'm not trying to just subtweet at a certain recruit um, decommit, but like the guys they've gone and gotten, they're they're contributing, right? Yeah. Uh, 
the plan he, was sound. Bill Bill Norton has met or exceeded expectations. Taylor Upshaw, same, right? MLC's maybe slightly disappointed, but he's been coming along uh, pretty well the last few. Yeah, it's games. not like the passing game has been suffering with him. Like it's just how many passes? You know, there's only one football to go around. But I get what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, and so like this is what happens when it becomes a program rather than just a a flash in the pan every few years kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes it more exciting, you know. Like, oh, yeah. I, like you know, I wrote a phrase in the sermon. We talked about in our season preview. I think we each expected Arizona to get to a bowl game this season to get to seven wins, and I still expect them to get to at least seven wins. But the how they've done it is what's crazy to me, because we I don't think anyone expected them to have a defense that's like upper half of the Pac-12, you know, and trending higher. I don't think anyone has expected that Noah Fafita to be the quarterback that gets them there. Like if it was, it was one of those. If everything goes right, the defense is solid, is average, and Jaden Delora takes that next step, right? That was the that was the how Arizona gets to be really good. Well, the defense is better, and Jaden Delora isn't the reason why they are where they are. Like that's, I mean, it's such a validation of Jed Fish and that staff, because like you were saying, Brett, the players they brought in, that they've developed, that they've identified, maybe guys who were not key players at their other schools, but given a larger role here are thriving. Like that goes to show for your identification, your development and your game planning, you know, putting guys in situations where they can be their best selves. Like, so yeah, you can subtweet all the people you want. Like this is what a program, a good program looks like is what Arizona is doing this season. And the fact that they can build upon this, that there's no reason to think that once they move to the big 12, that this has to stop. Like, yeah, win as many games as you can this season. This is fun, but it seems like it's just the beginning you know, of what could be the next great era of Arizona football. And I think, like, to your point, what you were saying, Brett, in terms of, like, the fans in Tucson on Saturday against UCLA, I hope they're starting to get that feeling, you know? It it changes the perception of the program, right? The expectations get higher and higher and higher, and the pressure ramps up. But when you start looking at a team and say, I expect them to win, like, that's part of why they're winning is because they expect to win now. Fish has talked about that. But once everybody starts to run, like, yeah, these guys are for real, it's a whole new ballgame. One, you know, this this team has so much talent and depth. They had a pretty decent recruiting class last year with some four-star guys that haven't even stiffed the field. Leviticus Sua, you know, two years ago was starting. He hasn't yeah. even gotten. He's not even. He's not even in the three deep, right? And there's a lot of guys that there that there, there's you know early positive returns of, and that's the way a, pro, a, a honest to god program operates. Most of your freshmen are going to redshirt. And you're gonna you're gonna plug them in, and you're gonna develop them. You're gonna build, you know, develop the O line talent instead of trying to buy it. You got to build it, not buy it. And they've done a really good job. Um, and it's it's just it's fun when your team is good, Adam. <laughs> it is. It's even more fun when they're surprisingly good and getting better. It seems like every week. And of course, you know, you're only as good as your most recent game. Arizona's won three straight and really looked pretty good and. Most of the games this season, actually, even their three losses, they're all by one score. They could have won at least a couple of those. But, you know, the next game is an interesting one. Arizona's at Colorado. It's a day game. Pac-12 Network, noon our time. And Colorado's a team going in the opposite direction, it would seem. They've lost a couple of them, you know, a few straight and seem to be really struggling. It seems like the classic trap game. But to get a better take on Colorado and what's going on with the Buffaloes, we're going to talk to Jack Barsh of Ralphie Report. We'll get to him after this break.
We're back here. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined by one of our favorites, Jack Barsh of RalphieReport.com to help preview this Arizona-Colorado matchup, which it's kind of a big game, right, Jack? Yes, it is. Um, this podcast is one of my favorites, so I'm glad that feeling is reciprocal. Um, but yeah, you know, if CU is quote-unquote still going for bowl eligibility, this is one you need. Yeah, and it's, um, it's wild, though, because when the season started, Colorado got off to this fast start. You know, they were winning these games. They beat Tease, you know, and it was like, oh, that's the national runner-up. It's like, well, they may not be that good, but it's still a road win. And Colorado was just absolute garbage last year. So to go on the road and beat anyone was a good sign, right? And they had all the buzz, all the excitement, all the hype. You know, they had that crazy game against CSU. And pretty much since then, it's kind of been downhill for Colorado, whereas Arizona, now they've got the buzz. They've got the hype, just not as flashy as what Colorado was doing. But it does seem like these teams have gone in opposite directions over the last, you know, month or so. Um. Y- well, yeah, yes. So part of it's just that CU's playing harder teams now um, in general. You know, TCU had the title of national runner-up and was ranked. But we've all seen what TCU is now. If yeah. you have a losing to, to mediocre record in this year's Big 12, that's not a good sign, um, I think. And, 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 you know, Nebraska is – everyone should laugh at them. It, it was hilarious then. It's hilarious now the way <laughs> they lost. It's funny when they lose. Um, and, you know, CSU is uh, a, a, a mediocre Mountain West team, I would say, is, is a fair categorization of them. So I think all of those wins got a lot of publicity just because of the situation CU finds itself in, which, you know, it, it's, it's still hard for me to believe. But um, really what happened is CU started playing harder teams. Um and also, I think everyone figured out collectively that not only can they, they can see you not run the ball, um, the offensive lineman cannot block anyone. So um, that makes it harder twice in a row. What well, that's one thing I kind of wanted to to dive in. It seems like CU is trying to prove the hypothesis in the age of the transfer portal that you can completely turn over a roster for college football overnight. And I think it's uh, becoming a case study that you can find starters, but you can't find depth, and it's hard to find guys on the lines, especially. Do you do you, do you see that as something that's also contributed to to Colorado's kind of uh, mediocrity as the season has worn on and injuries take their toll? Um. Yes. So I, once again, let, let me try to set expectations. You know, I, I've been a CU fan for a decent amount of time here, um, and mediocrity sounds so good <laughs> compared to what I saw last year. Um, so, like, I, you know, we already hit the the, the Vegas win total um, five weeks in. So I, I, I'm pretty happy in general with with the rebuild that's happened. Um, but to your point, brand new roster. Deion Sanders did this at Jackson State as well. And it was the same problem the first year, where um, on especially on a on a unit like the offensive line, where it's it's cohesion, it's experience. Honestly, those are two of the biggest things. You need size. Um, it's it's hard to build that through the portal, especially because any good player with size, everyone's going to be going for them. So what you're looking at is you have to take shots at G five guys, which CU did just through the offensive line coach coming from Kent State. Um, or you have to take shots at people who haven't played at, at a power five level who are looking for that chance. And those have a much more of a chance to bust, especially when you're building that through a summer, not even a spring and a summer, just a summer. Um, it's hard. And, and also, I guess, frankly, like, I don't, I'm not sure the offensive line coach is doing that great of a job. Um, part of why Pat Shermer got elevated to an on-field coach. So yeah, yeah, it's hard. 
to, to that to that point, uh, there's a, a through line for Colorado football and Arizona football this year, and it runs through a defensive lineman that was a transfer. He transferred to Colorado, then got run off. Uh, he, you know, it's it seems like a kind of a strange story before you ever saw the field with Colorado. Uh, and I, I don't know if you've seen, he's been going off on social media. He clearly has some feelings uh, about this game uh, and adding Dion's son, the quarterback, Shadur. Uh, what what happened there, and how is Taylor Upshaw not Colorado good for uh, Deion Sanders, but he's, you know, got almost, I think, eight sacks for, for Arizona this year? Yeah, so I think that is a – I don't know. I, misconception isn't the right word. Taylor Upshaw would probably play and probably start, obviously, for, for the CU team. And I, I don't think that the coaches disagreed necessarily. Um, the way that Deion Sanders explains it, and I'm not a football coach, I would agree with this philosophy, is that when you are building a team by taking 70 transfers, there's just going to be times that the, the mentality doesn't miss mesh or you take someone and then they realize it's not what they thought. Or in Taylor Upshaw's example, you know, you're building a coaching staff and a team at the same time. Patrick Hill is there as the defensive line coach. He gets hired by the Vikings. A new defensive line coach comes in. Taylor Upshaw's been at CU for two weeks when that happens. So, like, a lot of upheaval. And Sal Sinceri, the new defensive line coach, thinks of his role differently. He should absolutely use his grad transfer and go. Like, it is his last year, right? Like, he needs to maximize that. And it seems like he is. So, um, I don't think it was, you're not good enough, get out of here. For Taylor Upshaw, or even like Sadu Triore, who was a huge tight end transfer that also transferred off the spring, um, or like Jalen Sami was good enough. It just it was a, a matter of fit for for the person, the player, and the coach. Um, is how I would describe it. Um, I'm obviously also like a CU person, so if Taylor Upshaw thinks he was slighted and disrespected and got run off, then he probably did. Now, it sounds like a lot of things you're saying about Colorado's maybe issues are similar to Arizona from a couple of years ago, right? Because it is tough to just remake a bad roster, like not just like a mediocre, like a bad roster in one season. Arguably Transfer portal or not. Transfer yeah. portal or not. Dion, you know, Coach Prime or not, it's really difficult to do. You can get flashy guys. You can get skilled guys. But building those lines is incredibly difficult. Finally, in year three, Arizona has the offensive line and now the defensive line to do what they're doing. Is this a situation, you mentioned it, that, you know, Colorado's playing tougher teams. Have they been figured out to an extent? Has this offensive style, is this just their weaknesses have been exposed, right? Things like the offensive line, because it wasn't a problem weeks one through three, and all of a sudden now they can't block. Is it because it's tougher teams, or is the playbook out, is the book out on what Colorado likes to do, maybe what Colorado's capable of doing, and that's also worked against them? Oh, I think it's 100% both of those things. Yeah. I think teams have realized they can get pressure without blitzing. Um, and once you do that, it makes Shador Sanders' job harder because you have eight, seven people sitting back. Um, and once Shador Sanders' job is harder, that is the offense, man. So, like, you know, I think they had, I'm trying to remember, seven carries before garbage time against UCLA, period, in the game. Like, you know... There's there's not a mentality to run the ball right now with this offense because I think the they realize the offensive line can't generate the push they need and with when it's that one dimensional you're relying on short passes but when Stuart Sanders is getting pressure on, on even the short passes that makes it really hard to move forward on offense um, especially when you add a team like th- this team should be tempo um, but when you're starting every drive on like second and twelve and second and ten you're never really getting that positive first chunk you need to make that tempo work what that means is you just get off the field quick 
Um, so it's, it's a combination of, of being figured out of also, um, the defensive lines to use playing now are, are just better. Um, so UCLA, for example, they could just rush three and Latu Latu is better than anyone that CU has, period. So I was at that game in person. I watched him live just make CU's tackles miss every single play. And um, that, that's that issue of talent right there. It sounds like these are things that don't get fixed during a season then, right? Like Arizona fans understand that where it's like the talent you have is just what you have this year. It's not going to – the reinforcements aren't coming. But is there still that optimism? Because like the initial flash, the excitement, has clearly worn off. Like that buzz, yeah. like Coach Prime is not, it's like, what's Coach Prime doing? Now it's like, what's Coach Prime doing? You know? I, is, but is that is that kind of mentality? It's like, okay, it was always going to be this way. Do you win as many games as you can in year one, but it was always going to be kind of a struggle because the roster just couldn't be remade that quickly? Well, I, I think that's part of why Vegas set the over-under at three and a half. It's a hard schedule, um, and it's it's hard to do all of this at once. So that's part of why that over-under was so low. And I'm, you know, and they see you hit four now. So um, regardless of what happens, uh, for those of us who live in legal gambling states, they made money, right? Um, I will say, like the other part of that too, um, it can't be fixed in season. There's some things that I think you can work on, and that's part of why I think that offensive staff reshuffle happened is they're trying to do some things. They're building a plan as they're flying it, right? Um, and, and it's nice, I guess, to have someone like Pat Shermer who can do some of that analysis work. I would be lying if I'm not like terrified that Pat Shermer has, has more of a say on this offense, but um, I think they are trying to fix some things and, and, and at least make Shador's job easier, but there's also a hard cap on the ceiling just with how crazy the Pac-12 is and um, how, like you like you mentioned, it's hard to build, especially in line depth, in one year because um, everyone wants the good guys. So it's hard to do that. And what about on the other side of the ball? We, you know, it's it, Colorado gave up a lot of points to a not great Stanford team not too long ago. Uh, what's What's been going on there uh, how do how do you expect they'll match up with Arizona on offense, and is there is there some weaknesses that Arizona can look to exploit in this game? Yeah, so they've actually been doing much better than I expected in in this stretch of the schedule, especially after that Stanford game, which I was was also in attendance for. Um, it was extremely surreal. Um, yeah, I, I think honestly, with, against UCLA, they played a really good game. Travis Hunter had two picks, which helps. Um, and then it's the same thing against Oregon State. I was not expecting them. To, to keep this offense in those games um, both of those weeks. So kudos to Charles Kelly um, to, to making this defense bow their backs a little bit. Um, if there were weaknesses to exploit, CU is very small up front in general. There are two people over 300 pounds on the defensive line, period. So um, if you have a power run game, use it all the time. That's what Oregon State did. Damian Martinez was bigger than a lot of defensive linemen trying to tackle him, so that helps. Um, and the other thing is um, I think CU has good – I think Travis Hunter and Amarian Cooper are a really good duo, but past that, it's really inexperienced. So if you have a deep receiving core, which Arizona has as talent there, um, there's opportunity to exploit some mismatches and some miscommunication on the outside. Well, and also the linebackers are, are semi-non-existent now that Juwan Mitchell is suspended or not playing. That all bodes well for Arizona. It sounds like power run game and the type of offense they run. Like You have a piece on Ralph Report called you know, Colorado versus Arizona preview. Can the Buffs figure out the Wildcats? When mm-hmm. you look at what Arizona does well, like how does Colorado attack them? On offense, you mean? 
either way, like what does Colorado do to yeah. neutralize an Arizona team that obviously is different than the one we expected to see? It's not Jaden Delora at quarterback. It's Noah Fafita who's played very, very well, taken that job by playing yeah. well. And it seems like Arizona's offense, very balanced. They run the ball well, timely passing, great on third downs. Like they're not lighting up the scoreboard, but they're scoring enough to go along with this defense. It's been surprisingly good. Yeah, so I would say on defense, the thing that CU's been very good at this year, all year, and has definitely jumped up in the recent weeks is um, t- forcing turnovers. I think this, the, the defense is geared towards forcing turnovers. So um, two or more of those, and CU has a chance to win this game if the offense can get going, I, I think. Um, and they, they've been forcing, I think, two a game for a, a while now, or averaging about that. Um you know, Nebraska helps the average always, but um, they've, they've been doing a good job with that this year. On offense, um, attacking any defense is hard for CU right now, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see, especially because Shadur Sanders is still banged up. Um, so we'll see how much he wants to run. I'm guessing not that much. Um, if I were trying to attack Arizona, I would start with trying to use the middle of the field a little bit more. Um, so... One thing that has disappeared in recent weeks is, is Michael Harrison, the tight end, who had a great few weeks in, in September and October, um, but for some reason has not been a part of the offense. Um, I think an easy way or an easier way to try to get some time for Shadur Sanders is, is bringing an inline tight end into more packages, getting a chip block when you can, little leaks, um, and, and keep – I think if you can get the four-yard gains that have been missing, things get a lot easier for CU on offense. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's interesting timing with Colorado's line struggling and Shadur Sanders not wanting to run as much. And Arizona's defense has been emerging with good game plans yep. every week. And you know, it's a, a rare thing for us as Arizona fans to be able to say that we have been getting pressure with three or four linemen and not blitzing. Which mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're making me feel better about uh, about this game. That's all you um, need. I swear, that's all you need. <laughs> And and a part of me is now thinking like uh, if Shadur Sanders is even at all not mobile, this might be a game where you have a, a Justin Flow and just be like, hey, go tackle him every play when you want to blitz. But you know, what's what's your kind of uh, feel, and what's the Colorado fan base feel heading into this game? Is there is is it is there a chance of that, that people think Colorado is going to win this game? It's a daytime game, you know, in Boulder at elevation. It's what's, senior what's day for Colorado, right? It's the last home game too. Last home game, yep. yeah. Yeah, what's what's the vibe heading into this game? Yeah, I would say uh, if you can have it, must win would probably be the feel. Um, probably the best chance. I don't know. Washington State's kind of like falling apart right now. So, but um, we, we broke them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cam Ward has not been the same. Um, so yes, you did. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I, I think that it feels like this is the time. And you, you got to get this one um, if you're trying to get to that bowl game or keep. All right. Well, I think we're okay, but uh, my phone is beeping the hotel phone. So who knows what's happening? Um, it adds more yeah. tension to the podcast. This is it, good. it does. It feels like a bomb going like on. When our, when our um, might blow up, like it sounds like, like literally, not just like you know because he was on our show, but literally, then it adds a little, you know, Wildcat Radio know if- 2.0, where our guests <laughs> may die. You know? <laughs> Diffuse it as you answer the question. Um, so I would say that the the feel is like get this one. I think a lot of people before the optimistic people before the season were were penciling this game in as a win, and I think that still is true. Noah Fafita has changed a lot of things, 
I, lo- I personally love watching him play. Like, I think it's just so fun. But, um, you know, Arizona's better than a lot of people expected, at least from the CU side. Um, so if you're going to win, it's a hard game to win, but they like the win. I do think, as we'll let you go soon because you might have to evacuate, it sounds like. Oh, maybe not anymore. I think Jack lives. Or Jack died. I don't know. But either way, like, I feel like Arizona being, I think the line's moved to like 10 and a half now, which is just wild. Arizona being a double-digit favorite, more than a touchdown favorite over anyone, especially on the road. And for the way the Wildcats are playing, this kind of has the vibe of the classic trap game, right? You're on the road. It's senior day. You're playing a team that's struggling, but is shown capable of winning games. And you're still Arizona. But I wonder if kind of Colorado has played themselves or maybe talked themselves into not being trap gameable, right? Because like there's there's probably some sense like all the publicity with coach everything's like you want to beat Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just like you want to win the game, sure, but you want to beat Colorado. You want to send a message. And if you're Taylor Upshaw, you want to send a message. If you're MLC, you want to send a message that almost prevents them from being a trap game type of opponent. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, and we and we've heard that throughout the year um absolutely I, no one's gonna overlook Deion sanders right he makes no. it impossible to overlook himself so um it's it's not it's not gonna be like cal last year where they sleepwalk into a game and then see you wins on the last second field goal and both teams would look horrible and that's like the classic trap game thing to me it, it, it can't be that everyone's gonna be hyped to play against Deion Sanders, because like you said, um, like it or not, the spotlight is on him all the time. So um, a lot of people want to beat that. And that has CU's taking the best shot. However, you know, we're in week 11, so 10 weeks, right? CU's taking the best shot they can from the other team, um, which in in my opinion makes the sport more fun. It makes it more entertaining at the very least. Um, You know, if you don't like him, not many people are neutral on Deion Sanders, um, which makes it more exciting, I think. But um, no one's going to overlook this game, and Arizona is definitely not going to overlook this game, right? Um, it's just it, – it, it, CU has too much publicity for that to happen. And like you said, there are some transfers in between. I, I miss MLC. He was awesome. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Arizona will obviously absolutely be keyed up for this. Um, and I, I think the 10.5 line sounds about right to me. Um, but like you said, it's in Boulder. It's the last home game. Um and I don't know, it, it, this, this team is pretty volatile. Um, and we saw that against USC, tail two halves, right, where um, suddenly they started putting it on. And, and same thing with Stanford, where 29 nothing at halftime um, and then just fell apart. So it's hard to know what you're going to get. With that in mind, and I think we're kind of getting there, how do you see this game playing out? Because I know for Arizona, it's that rare game in the daytime. So, like, the sunlight yeah. might be a problem for the Wildcats. I think the last time they had a sunlight game, they almost lost to Stanford. But at least that game turned into nighttime <laughs> by the time it ended when they started playing well. So, I don't know. Maybe they don't play well under the lights of, you know, the biggest star in our galaxy. But how do you see this game playing out in Boulder? Yeah. So, I think the the spread in total indicates, like, a 31-20 game-ish. Um, so, I, that, to me, probably sounds right. If you can get to 20 points, that'd be awesome. Um, I don't think CU is going to stop Arizona that often without turning the ball over. So I would say Arizona is absolutely going to be in the 30s, if not the 40s in this game. Um, so let's give me Arizona 35, and let's let's be uh, optimistic here and say CU gets to 28 in a tight one. So thank you for that prediction. I will take Arizona winning. But also I just have to ask a clarifying question for Adam when he talks about uh, the largest uh, star 
in our universe. I said galaxy. About, or a oh, galaxy. Were you talking? Pretty about sure it's so I just star on the Milky Way well, galaxy, right? I just I just want to make sure that we clarify in case uh, Coach Prime is listening that you're talking about the sun and not him, right? <laughs> 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 Look. All I'm saying is, three million people still watched CU play Oregon State last week, so I don't understand. It is that's more than people watched CU last. Which year, is too. really cool though for Arizona now, because like there's that many people, the eyes are going to be on them too, right? Like it's when you're playing Colorado, is, you're under the yeah. the light shines on both of you, so it's yeah. a good opportunity for the Wildcats. It's it's an exciting game, I think. I mean, for both teams, for where they're at, for Colorado having a chance still to be bowl eligible, for Arizona obviously being bowl eligible, trying to do even better things. Like mm-hmm. it's not what any of us expected, I think, going into the season that this game would have this on the line. But at the same time, here they are. <laughs> Arizona's probably the better team, like certainly the more talented team, the deeper team. But Colorado's also proven capable of winning games, which is something they really didn't do last season when these teams last played each other. So, yeah, I like your prediction because it's Arizona winning, but it certainly <laughs> seems like it could be a fun game. Well, and the other thing I'll say is uh, it's one of three times this year where CU will play someone in that that conference rivalry continues um and that that to me is, is fun too um it's, it's fun to play as well to say that same way so um this is not the last time these two will play each other like it has been elsewhere that's true no can't confirm <laughs> so jack barsh of ralphyreport.com you can find him on twitter at jack barsh we appreciate the time as always and yeah like these conversations will continue into the future because these teams are going to the same division i, I know they came out the schedule or the same conference i know they came out the schedule i don't know if arizona plays Colorado every season but there will be there will be matchups and we will definitely talk to you and hey also basketball season starting so we'll have to get you to yeah. talk about colorado poops as well i i i know arizona fans feel great about dad boyle so um always fun yeah. Oh, we, he's one of our favorites. So, Jack, thanks for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0. And when we come back, we actually are going to talk some basketball after this break. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And thanks again to Jack Barsh for sharing his insight on Colorado. And really quick, I apologize to everyone. The sun is not the largest star in our galaxy. I, so, it was. I it know. is Dion. It is. Uh, some star called UY Scooty, which apparently is. The, the center of the Milky Way, roughly 9,500 light years away from Earth. So not our sun. Who knew? I appreciate the journalistic integrity, Adam. You know, I, I like astronomy. I got like a C in astronomy classes in gen eds, but, you know, I was wrong about that. Anyway, it sounds like we all feel like, and I also promise we're going to talk Arizona basketball. We will. But to wrap up Colorado, like it seems like we all kind of feel like Arizona's going to win this game, right? Like that's, that's how it's looking. I mean, talking to talking to Jack, you know, I was kind of that that lingering Arizona fan of me that assumes there's going to be a game they they blow, especially when there's expectations, you know, in a day game. So it's like a it's not even a day game; it's like a relatively early day game. Um, man, talking to Jack, there were and with Arizona's ability to have gotten pressure with you know only sending three or four, yeah, uh, you know, I I kind of like the notion of a. Uh, hobbled Shadur Sanders and put like a Justin Flo as a spy on him uh, to keep him. You're just like running. putting Justin Flo in every quarter and saying, go get him. Like that's been your thing every week. I think is like, just have that guy out there and say, Justin no, Flo. Tackle that's him. His, that's his, <laughs> he's really good at that. This is true. This is true. And you know, he didn't play that much uh, against UCLA because it was less of a, you know, it was less of a game for that. And that's where they had, uh, um, I'm blanking on his uh, name, the nickelback, Martel Irby, basically yeah. playing middle linebacker a bunch of times. Um, yeah, and I, you know, Travis Hunter is great, but he's, 
one guy playing two positions and you know they'll probably put him on a t-mac and all right go eat kevin green right you know or mlc jacob cowing or yeah you know, here's your here's your, here's your MLC uh, Taylor Upshaw revenge games against Coach <laughs> Prime, right? Um, yeah, I I I was I was starting to get wary about call, feeling comfortable about this game, and now talking to Jack, I actually feel better. <laughs> yeah, well, it, like I mentioned, like it, it feels like it has that classic trap game vibe, where Arizona playing great, they're the talk of college football. They made a bowl game, they've won three straight over ranked teams. Go on the road to face a team that's lost three straight and five of their last six. It's just playing not good football. But I do feel like there's probably that sense of, yeah, we're going to beat Coach Prime. You know, for the players that were rejected by Coach Prime were feel like they were rejected by Coach Prime. And all these other guys, you just saw all the hype and still probably see all the hype, you know, around what they're doing up there to say, no, like we're the program that's on the rise. Like we're the program you should be paying attention to. We're the program you should be talking about. Like that's where the growth of this, we talked about each week. Can they build on the success? Can they, you know, can they handle their success and keep playing hard? They've done it so far. You know, each week they've done that. So I have a hard time believing that they're always going to end this game and be like, okay, well, we've arrived. We'll just, you know, win by showing up. Like, it should be a trap game, but I'm not sure Coach Prime and this Arizona team the makeup of can allow for it to be one. Well, and I think the level-headedness of Noah Fafita contributes to that mental toughness and consistency, right? Like if there's one thing that he has in spades, it's kind of that calm and determined leadership, you know, uh, je ne sais quoi, right? He, he inspires confidence in those around him. And I think even if things start to go awry, I think he's going to be somebody that helps rein them back in. So what do you think happens in this one where you said you're feeling good about it? What do you think? I'm going to, I think, I think I'm going to, I think the Arizona is going to, cover the spread i think it's going to be 34 17 arizona okay on ac desert storm i have 31 20 arizona so we're not too far off i know we'd take either of our win you know our predictions because a win's a win and yeah it's like i keep saying every week is like if arizona like they'll prove a lot if they win this game if they take care of business you know about their mentality but i'm starting I'm, I'm a believer now like i do think this team has that sense has that maturity has that mentality of going out there and you know you have to play hard but if you play hard and play smart, you're going to win this game because you are that good. So we'll see. And this Saturday in Boulder, Colorado, Arizona, Colorado, in what should be a pretty interesting game, pretty fun game on the Pac-12 network. Of course, these two teams will neither of them will be in the Pac-12 next season. They'll be Big 12 rivals beginning in 2024. Brett, it's basketball season. Oh, that's right. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's it's still wild to me. Like we were joking, like it's like Arizona men's basketball has started, and obviously, like Arizona, they're ranked 12 in the country, right? They had a Morgantown, like whatever, crushed them. Arizona plays Duke on Friday. Like we're recording this on Thursday, so Arizona plays Duke on Friday. Hopefully, you listen to this before that game. And it's not our biggest story. It's not the thing we're talking about most. It's kind of like our third segment throwaway. And how wild is that? Because like. We haven't even done an Arizona basketball preview. We always want to do that, but we don't have time because football's still a thing. I mean, I, I, it makes me happy. <laughs> I, I, it's like, oh, right. Arizona's playing Duke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that silly thing. I, I, should, I should probably watch that game. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, it, uh, it's a it's a it's obviously it's a big game because it's Arizona Duke. It's number twelve versus number two on the road going to Cameron Indoor. That's going to be a really exciting atmosphere for Arizona. Obviously, it's November college basketball. It means only so much as we allow it to mean come March. You know, like if Arizona wins, it means everything to us. If Arizona loses that, it's just a road game against a good team. They'll get better. It is a fun way to see Arizona so early, like what this team is, because we've talked about it when we have talked Arizona men's basketball, that we think they're deep, that their backcourt is more athletic, is better, that they have size, they have athleticism. Like this is a really good basketball team. And I think they are. So now to see them against another really good basketball team that can make a lot of the same claims, that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean, we've gotten to see the new talent and how it's fitting together a bit uh, in between the the off-season kind of games, the the exhibitions. I think you said Morgantown. I think it was Morgan, Morgan State. State. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's also... I'm all, I'm all accurate with everything. Every reference I'm making this week is just spot on. Well, and, you know, this is not going to be the game for testing out guys in positions and going 11 deep on the bench, right? Um, you know, Dylan Anderson, I think, was announced he's going to redshirt. Henry Vesar's hurt, uh, at least for a little while, so he's not going to be playing. That is an intriguing thing to look at, how the rotation is going to be against, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to go on a, on a limb and say that Duke is a more talented team than uh, Morgan State, um, and it'll present more of an Also more talented than Morgantown. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, but I'm, I'm, there's, there's just so much intrigue in this roster, in this matchup, in the, the, this is just the first of the gauntlet of the non-conference games for this talented Arizona team. Um, I forget where they're, they're, they're ranked in there. It's a classic, uh, Tommy Lloyd potential, like, you know, middling ranking that may end up being another top 10 team with time, or maybe they lose enough in these, uh, Arizona's ranked 12th, Duke's ranked second to start the season. But now like Arizona, like the first game against Morgan state, it didn't show us anything that we didn't expect to see, but obviously you can't judge too much because yeah, just the talent difference is so astronomical. But the things that we're hoping to see, obviously Caleb love the, I, I want to say his like resurgence, but just like playing within the Tommy Lloyd system and what Arizona's offense does to accentuate his strengths. Right. And of course, he's one of the few players who's played in Cameron Indoor. He's had success there. So what he can bring to this team, especially Friday night, might be something that few other players could have. Colin Boswell, as the starting point guard, as a lead guy, he was leading score against Morgan State. Has he truly taken that next step as the point guard for a high-level college basketball team? Because if he has, like the talent is undeniable, and what he could bring to them is huge. You know, Kishad Johnson, Umar Balo, can he dominate down low in a game like Pella Larson? with not being like one of the top two or three guys, kind of more of the complimentary piece, maybe that fits him better. Maybe more of an off-the-ball type of role. You know, Krivas, Philly B off the bench, KJ Lewis, Jaden Bradley. How do these guys do in a tougher environment? Because, yeah, the first game, they all looked like they were going to fit their roles perfectly. But obviously, the talent level is going to step up a little bit. Yeah, the you know who the player I think is going to be the most valuable player in this roster, even if they're not the the most statistically uh, valuable is Kashad Johnson. Yeah. The more the more I watch him, the more I'm convinced that my original hot take that he is Sean Marion reincarnate is actually apt. Uh, and like I actually looked it up when I was watching that game. Like I'm like, God, his, even his size and stature is the same. At least according to the list of height and weights, he's like five pounds heavier than Sean Marion with the same exact height. Um, and his value on defense, I think he's going to surprise people offensively just doing the Sean Marion thing of, 
they don't call a play for him as Mike D'Antoni used to say, and he ends up with like 18 points, right? Um, Putbacks, cuts, you know, backdoor cuts, fast breaks. Yeah. He's, he's, he's somebody that I'm really intrigued. And then, the other person who I'm very intrigued to watch over the course of the season is Krivas because he's looked better than I expected. Um, I, and he is, you know, Omar Balo is probably a little over listed on his height. And I've, you know, walked by him at, at, at a, at a Tucson bar before. Uh, so it's like, ah, he's not, he's not a, he's not a true seven footer. Krivas looks like, you know, I think, I don't know if he's lifted, listed at seven two, but he looks like he's seven two. He's he's given uh, Christian Coloco vibes to me, um, and his his uh, for uh, for a true freshman, I'm incredibly impressed with how he's looked. And then I'm also incredibly curious to see of Moraskis and Philly buckets as uh, as as his friends like to call him. Well, and some uh, of these guys, like I'm curious to see. It's just one game. It's the second game of the season, but how many of these guys play? And then how many minutes they get, right? Is this a game? I know Tommy Lloyd, it's not the time to tighten your rotation so much unless unless you're up 40 in this game that you're not going to expand it to everyone who played, mm-hmm. you know, in the opener. But what does a rotation look like against a high-level opponent with this group? And it's it's November. Things will change by the time we get to conference play in March. But I'm really interested to see how this team does in that environment because a lot of these players you have played in deep tournament games. Kashad Johnson, Caleb Love. Umar Balo, Pella Larson were on those tournament teams, the team that made to the Sweet 16. Colin Boswell has not played in a game like this before, and he's your point guard. You know, Krivas, Philly B, a lot of these guys haven't played big minutes in a game like this. So let's see how mature they are, how ready to play they are. And not to say they haven't played in tough environments, and it's still just basketball. But Cameron indoors can be quite crazy and in the game of this magnitude it's a huge game and i was reading a thing on cbs about how you know john shire and tommy Lloyd they, they want to schedule like these home and homes like shire like coach k didn't want to do that he certainly didn't want to do a home and home with arizona after the early 90s but this is a big game for them too and for duke to make that statement as number two in the country when a top 15 you know top 12 arizona comes out east to play like it's a big fun matchup that everyone's going to be watching friday night yeah, it's a it's a throwback to the old days of college basketball when people actually played people in real games, not just yeah. at neutral sites. Um, and it's a win-win, right? Even if Arizona loses this game, you still say, okay, they could learn from this. It's November. They'll get better. And obviously, if they do win, they was like, that's a nice resume win. You know, like, yeah. it's, you really can't lose in this game for either team, really. Well, and, and, you know, I mentioned that the, the non-conference gauntlet is coming in the schedule and Arizona may not have the ranking or the seating or the record because they might lose a handful of these, you know, hard, true road games. <laughs> but I think most Arizona fans and most Arizona critics don't care about it until it's in March. And I think these kind of games are what are what is going to make this team more March ready than any of the last couple uh, Tommy Lloyd teams. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to, you know, you know, th- there's nothing like being thrown into the fire to, to, to make the, you know, to, steel sharpened steel so to speak yeah well, this um, was even like a soft like opening like they had the soft opener arizona against mm-hmm. morgan state and then it's on the road to duke <laughs> they've played all of one real game they had a couple of the exhibition games and obviously they had the offseason like when they were overseas but they've had one game that counts before this one i think that's great like throw oh, them yeah. into it I, I get it. It's a big game. It's a great environment for them to play in that no matter what happens Friday will serve them well. If they win, the confidence you get from a game like this, knowing that you can go on the road at Duke and win is, I mean, you probably can't measure that. It's going to be that high. But if you lose, depending on how it goes, obviously, if it's close and you're in that environment, like 
that'll harden you. That'll battle test you a little bit in a way that few games this early could. So, I mean, obviously, I hope Arizona wins this game. But just to see this Arizona team in that environment against that opponent will be fun to watch because I think you and I agree that this is a very talented, potentially, you know, Final Four-ish Arizona roster. We won't learn that Friday, win or lose. We won't know for sure. But it's going to be fun to see them play a team that is also considered to be that good. Yeah, and and remember, you know, this is Duke's like hasn't played a hasn't had a lot of warm up tune ups games either. Sure, it's going to be sure. it's going to be a different thing for them too. And you know, if you're Arizona, you've got a new roster for the for to a large extent, and you're going on the road. Nothing's expected. Play loose and have fun with it, and see what you can take out of it. And then you know, hopefully they win. Uh, I actually think it's. I don't know what the line is, but I, I think I think Arizona is under like ranked respectively, uh, especially compared to the last couple of Tommy Lloyd seasons where it was like, eh, we'll call them maybe in the late twenties. The line is like four and a half. So that's Duke minus four and a half Arizona plus. That's a lot half. of respect for Arizona for a road game. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, that's actually even maybe a little bit closer than I expected. I do think that Arizona has a real chance to win this game, but that's sure. because I, I think I think. I think Caleb Love is going to have a it's going to be a revelation of a season for him in the Tommy Lloyd system, um, and this is the first chance to prove it. And it's going to be you know he's going to announce his pre- the Arizona's going to announce its presence with authority potentially Friday, uh, win or lose if they if they look as good as we think they can be doing it. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna start that uh, the momentum, and you're just, it, you're gonna they're gonna learn from it, and you're gonna learn a lot about this team. You're gonna learn about about how where the minutes are gonna go, mm-hmm. and I. I'm personally, I'm personally very curious to see what happens when Kashad Johnson goes off the floor. Who plays the four? Because Krebus and Balo aren't aren't going on the floor at the same time. Best I can tell. Yeah, I would I would think not. So, so that's happening Friday. Um, other basketball news, of course, signing day has like the signing period has begun. Carter Bryant signed his letter of intent with Arizona basketball. Jamari Phillips signed his letter of intent. Uh, Stevens signed his. Emmanuel Stevens signed his letter of intent. So, oh, by the way, we have a top five recruiting class that all signed today. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> of course, baseball signed their 14, uh, 2024 recruiting class as well. So some new Wildcats into the fold. Always like to see that. Brett, is there anything else? Did we miss anything? I mean, there was there was baseball signing day. There was volleyball signing day this week. There's, There's a lot of signing day. Welcome to all the new Wildcats. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a it's a good time to be a, a Wildcat fan, and we've come a long way in the last couple of years, guys. Let's enjoy it. We we really have. So yeah, I think that'll wrap up our show here. Of course, appreciate everybody listening. Um, you can find us on the Twitter machine at Wildcat Radio AZ. Um, if you are listening, you probably found us either on a post there on social media or on Spotify or iTunes, uh, where you can find us and subscribe to us on both platforms because we'd appreciate that. Leave us a rating and review if you're on iTunes. You leave that review, we will read it on the air. Brett, any new reviews? Unfortunately not. That's okay. It happens like that sometimes. We have reviews every week. It would take too much of the show. So, you know, we, we can space them out, everyone. That's good. Sure. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> and like, you know, also, we do mailbags every now and then. If you have a question for us, just shoot a line on the Wildcat Radio AZ account. Like, and we'll try to get to your question on the following show. But yeah, Arizona football at Colorado, basketball at Duke. Wow. What a sports weekend this sets up to be for our Wildcat Radio 2.0 listeners. So let's all enjoy those games. Hopefully we're talking about a couple of Arizona wins when we record next week. 
But until then, have a great weekend. Remember to bear down. Bear down.